Okay, so we're in, uh, we're in Romans chapter 1. How many here are excited about Romans chapter 1? Man, I, I've taught this like uh, three or four times in my life. I think this is the third time here. I'm very, very excited. I really am. Uh, Brenda told me she bought a new notebook. I don't know if I can stand, stand up on, under that kind of pressure. A new notebook, that's like too much. That's severe. I, I'm going to like get all nerved up here. Um, I don't ever get nerved up. Why? Because I just rely on God. If I were trying to perform, I'd be nervous all the time if I was thinking like, boy, if they get anything, I've got to come to the front. No. I just rely on the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, I really do. I don't mean I don't want to sound like too super spiritual or anything, but long, long time ago, I realized if anything good, uh, the kingdom of God is going to be advanced. I don't have the wherewithal. It never did. No man does. So God will show up and God will do a work. So I never really get super nervous or anything like that, as you can tell, right? I'm not a I'm not a guy who gets nerved up. I think that's kind of a good thing. But as I've said, our hope, our trust is in God to show up and do a, do a work. So with that in mind, let's do something crazy. Let's beseech the Lord in prayer for his blessing on our time in his word. Father, um, it's your word. Um, and when people tell me sometimes that I, I did a good job, what I always think is like, well, I didn't write it. Um, I just taught it, but it's your word. Uh, I don't take uh, any credit, don't want any credit, don't want any, uh, anything but your name to be glorified and your spirit to be magnified in our midst and your son to be set forth as our savior and as a, uh, the Christ, the Messiah of all men. Lord, we pray you'd take this book, this holy book, and you would impart a blessing to us, uh, a very real, very tangible blessing. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. As I said, I've taught this through several times. I, I feel like every time I understand it a little bit more. It's hard to understand in places. Paul is this super genius. And sometimes the gospel of Jesus Christ is very simple. And this is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's very simple, and I always said, I, th I think it's a line I got from J. Vernon McGee. God puts the cookies on the lowest shelves where the littlest hands can reach them. And that's just like God to do that. Romans is, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a, a four or five or six-year-old can wade in it and an elephant can bathe in it. Again, we're talking about an amazing intellect and I don't pr pretend to understand all the nuances and everything else. I think it's put here first. He didn't write it first. He probably wrote it on his third missionary journey in, from Corinth. Most people think so. And then he gave it to Phoebe to deliver a deaconess who we'll run into in the 16th chapter of Romans, who founded the church at Rome, not Paul, and we don't really know. Most scholars think that happened at the day of Pentecost when at chapter 2 of Acts, when all the faithful were at Pentecost in Jerusalem, when the Spirit of God fell and birthed the church, that some of those people were recorded of being from Rome. And after that, Christians always came and went, and a church naturally just started in Rome. Without the founding, it wasn't uh, Paul, and it, I hate to say this, wasn't Peter 
Now, they have St. Peter's Basilica there. And if you go there, this is where Peter was in prison. This is where Peter was crucified. This is where Peter stood. And this is where Peter sneezed. And this is where Peter scratched his nose. And I don't think any of that is biblical or even historical. We don't have any evidence that he ever went to Rome. We do know that he was crucified. But Jesus wasn't crucified at Rome. You don't have to go to Rome to be crucified. So, uh, was Peter there? Did he find... Was he, did, he find, did he found the church there? I don't think so. When Paul's wrapping this up in the last chapter, and he gives give my regards to this one and this one and this one and this one, he doesn't mention Peter. That would be a famous faux pas or a, a big swing and a miss if Peter's the pastor there, the first pope, and Paul writes to the church and doesn't even mention Peter. That would be a you know, and it's not, it doesn't really prove anything, someone will say. No, it doesn't, but it's kind of evidence from silence anyway. So we have this church. We don't know who founded it. Paul wants to go there, and he wants to, and we'll see that in their opening. But let's get right uh, under, underway. If we don't start, we won't finish. And I want to get the first 17 verses, which is a huge amount, because uh, sitting in a tree yesterday reading... Uh, some commentary on this by David Guzik. Every verse is a stepping off point for not only just a teaching, but a whole series of teachings. It's really, you can really go sideways on this. I'm going to try to focus and keep what I'm trying to, you know, and make some good time. Like the first 17 verses seems to be a natural place to end. Okay, Paul, there's no guess who wrote this. There's no debate. Um, people scripturally debate everything. Nobody really debates who wrote Romans. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had before, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God, with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. Um, like I say, that's kind of one idea, and he, Paul doesn't, he's not a... Period, a period is, is an anathema to Paul. He likes commas. He keeps adding and adding and building. Uh, okay, he's a servant of Jesus Christ. The word is doulos, as you know. Uh, the end of, after God gives the law at Sinai, he gives this, okay, you're a slave of somebody. You've, you've done your indentured service. The debt has been paid. And you say, you know, I really, really like being in my master's house. I'd rather be here. I'd rather be his servant than anyone else's free man. He's, I've got blessing. I've got plenty of work to do. He treats me like a king. I, why would I go anywhere else? I'd just as soon stay here. Well, there's provision for that. So what you do is you go to the, the doorpost of the house, and they, they, they prick your ear with an awl. With, like, think of an ice pick, right? And then they put a uh, earring in your ear that associates you with that house and it's a choice you make forever. Now, 
a doulos is the lowest slave. It's, it's like um, the foot-washing slave, okay? Uh, somebody at the door, grab the water. Uh, some have said, like, there's no bigger insult you can insult somebody with than calling them a doulos. Paul takes that upon himself and says, hey, that's what I am. That's who I am. That's what I'm all about. My life is service to Jesus Christ. I get it. He's a servant of Jesus Christ called, see where it says to be? And it's italicized. The King James people, they put those italicized words in there to help us sometimes with the meaning. Sometimes, very often in my thinking, it obscures the meaning. He's not called to be an apostle. He's called an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. So we understand three things about Paul that I'd like us to understand about ourselves. Because if we get this down, if we understand that we're a servant of Jesus Christ, that we're called apostles, sent forth ones. Think about ambassadors. And in 1 Corinthians, I'm ambassador for Christ. The world only knows Jesus through us and our, how we represent. If we understand that we're his servants, we're called to represent, and we're separated unto the gospel of God. Uh, you know the word sanctified. It means separated for a holy purpose. That's all it means. Uh, so what's sanctified? All the things that were in the temple were sanctified. This isn't an ashtray. Don't be flicking your ashes. And this is a holy vessel. We're going to use this to take the blood of the goat into the holy of holies to sprinkle before. I mean, everything's set apart for a holy purpose. Think of yourself that way. I'm separated unto God. I live at God's pleasure. I live to serve God. Now, if we get hold of that, most of our choices are, are, are made for us. Should I, okay, there's something coming on TV. It's kind of uh, a little bit, uh, kind of dubious. Um, should I watch this thing that's kind of semi-pornographic? Uh, uh, no. Uh, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm separated for his purpose. Uh, I live to expand his kingdom. I, I represent him. So we, the answers are really close at hand once we have the right information, once we've made the right selections. You know why we see wholesale people leaving the church all over America? They're not servants. They're not apostles. And they're not separated under the gospel of God. You say, that sounds very judgmental of you. No apologies. I mean, listen, if you, once you figure it out, I live for Jesus Christ. You, you're, you're, you're faithful. You're, you know what I mean? You're not here today, gone tomorrow type. Okay, we're talking about the gospel of God. Gospel means good news. Romans not written first. Why is it first in our canon as far as epistles? I don't think that this is the, the New Testament is written, is put in chronological order. I think it's put in theological order. You've got to understand this before you even get close to understanding Corinthians or Galatians or Ephesians. I think it's an order of, you got, this is basic stuff. Oh, it's very complicated basic stuff. But you have to know this. You have to have mastery 
over this. You know why uh, some people don't uh, believe that some people believe that the church has replaced Israel? They haven't mastered Romans. I have read commentary uh, like the first eight chapters, beautiful, written by. Oh my goodness, this guy really got hold of it. And chapter nine, he does a disappearing act. Chapter nine, ten, eleven are about Israel, and then this guy is like. He's got nothing intelligent or important to say for three chapters. Incre- I'd name him, but I don't want to defame anyone. Incredible. You haven't mastered this, this book. It's, it's basic. It's, it's the gospel of God, the good news concerning God, which he, God, had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The gospel, yeah. He, even... Going back to Genesis 12, and you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. I got one even before that, the Proto-Evangelicum. Uh, talking about the seed war that's coming. He's talking to Eve between your seed and the seed of, the, of, the, of Satan. They're going to duke it out. Oh, Satan's going to have his little victory there. He's going he's to bite the seed in the heel, but he's going to get his head crushed. Looking forward to that event. You say that was the resurrection. And it was a death blow, but he's, he's still, he hasn't finished yet, okay? He's still, he's still out there. He's still a, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, as you well know. Uh, God promised uh, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Is Jesus Christ divine? Yes, he's the son of God. Concerning his son, this, the, the gospel that was promised in the Holy Scriptures concerns Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that, you know, I want you to talk about Lord for a second. Uh, Adonai in the Greek. It can mean simply like sir. It's the u- word used v- often in the Old Testament in both um, Greek and Hebrew. It can mean the same thing. It could mean God, divinity, or it could just mean a, a greeting of like but it's way past that here. His son, our Lord, our master, he was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. This focuses on the dual nature of Jesus Christ. The God-man. Ken Graves is very fond of saying that. I'm very fond of Ken Graves, and I'm very fond of that expression. The God-man. The dual nature of Jesus Christ. He was human being. 100%. He was born according to, he was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. His fleshly side, his carne, his flesh, you had chili con carne, right? Chili with meat. Okay, same word. According to the flesh, he was born after the seed of David. Okay? Uh, is that important? Yeah, it means he was the Messiah. You, you remember when Jesus, he's quizzing the Pharisees, he says, uh, uh, the Messiah, whose son is he? And they said, the son of David. Well, they all knew. There was plenty of scripture. Uh, 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 an embarrassment. We could, go, we could nail that down really easily. I don't think anyone's debating that subject. According to the flesh, he was the son of David, which, by the way, means he was qualified to be the Messiah, according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God with power. According to the spirit of holiness, read here, the Holy Spirit. Spirit of holiness, I would put a capital S there. Your King James probably doesn't have that. Uh, he's, he's declared to be the Son of God 
with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the way, all three members of the Trinity are there, by the resurrection from the dead. When he was raised from the dead, God's saying, my boy. That's what it's telling us. Did God raise Jesus Christ from the dead? Yes. Did Jesus Christ raise himself from the dead? Yes. He said, I'll destroy this temple in three days, raise it up. Yes. Did the Holy Spirit of God raise Jesus from the dead? Yes. This verse says that. The Holy Spirit of God raised him from the dead. Other verses tell us that God did it. Other verses tell us that Jesus Christ raised himself from the dead. Well, which is it? Yes. That shouldn't be hard to figure out. By the way, just a curious aside here. When you think about the many things about, uh, it talks about the works of God in creation. Who created? Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, John chapter 1, and several other places, right? Um, who created? Well, God. In the beginning, Elohim, God, created the heavens and the earth. Father God created. And then we have the Spirit hovering on the waters in, in His creative act. Who created? God, Father created. Jesus Christ, the Son, created. The Holy Spirit of God created. You can't, you, you can't separate the work of the Trinity with that fine of, precision. Who's at work in our life to make, to make us holy? Well, Jesus Christ is. Well, the Spirit of God is. Well, God the Father is. Who's involved in our salvation? All members of the Trinity. And I can bring up all the verses that say that, but it's one, a study for another time, and two, it's something if you really want to chase that down, I, that would be a really good thing. So he's declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. Anyone else before that time was resurrected, but I would always use the word like reanimated. You know what I mean? What do you mean? When you're resurrected a week from Tuesday, tomorrow, before the end of the service, January 8th, why January 8th? Why not? When you're resurrected, we call it the rapture, you'll have a, a, a resurrected body. It will it'll be impervious to pain, suffering, death, bad hygiene, cavities. Will you wear glasses in the resurrection? No. Are there wheelchair ramps in heaven? <laughs> no. Why, God doesn't care about handicapped people? No, that's not true. There just are no handicapped people in heaven. You'll have this resurrected body, impervious, to any kind of, and that's what you'll have. Did people who resurrected in the past have that? Not so as you notice. Is Lazarus still around? Is he here? Is he in some church there this morning? Is he still living? Is he get this, you know, 2,000-year-old guy running around? And, and later on, uh, Tabitha and... Uh, uh, Dorcas, oh, that's Tabitha, that's the same thing. The widow of Nain's son, are they all like kind of running around among us with these resurrected bodies? Possibly, but I think that's kind of unlikely, right? So they were reanimated, which is kind of a bummer. You didn't have to die again. Ah, but Lazarus, he'd been through it and he said, hey, you know, what's waiting on the other side? No problem, no problemo. Uh, is he a little bit miffed that he was raised the first time? If I was in glory and someone prayed for my resurrection, I get resurrected back, I, will, I would wake up and punch you right in the eye. I'm, I'm sure I would. Because yeah, I'm, not, I'm not like super, super anxious to go home because I feel like I still got work here. 
and I don't want to leave my wife a widow. But when I'm there in the presence of God, Paul said it to be with Christ is far better, but it's needful for you that I remain in the flesh right now. But I'm not. I'm not afraid to die. I really question those who are. What's that all about? Have you figured it all out yet? Now, some will point out, well, I don't want to suffer and be in a lot of pain. Oh, I understand that. I'm no hero that way in my own self. But, you know, after you draw, draw your last breath and you're with God, oh, what an enviable position that is. Well, let's keep going. By whom? Who? Who's whom? The Son of God, from verse 4. By whom we have received grace and apostleship, for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Uh, grace and peace? No, grace and apostleship are the two things we've received. One, you have to receive grace, and we're going to have to understand grace, so now's a good time. God's riches at Christ's expense. It means favor. It means beyond that. It means favor that we haven't received. Now, when I was Catholic growing up, they had grace, but they call it graces. And if you did certain things, like you went to confession or you went to a communion, they would give you graces. If you said these prayers, you would get plenary graces. And it was kind of like money in your account that you'd trade later on for less days in purgatory. You're saying, what are you on about? Not precisely. The Bible knows nothing of that. Would to God that those who call themselves Romans, and I mean Roman Catholics, and I'm specifically talking about my family and others, would to God they understood this precious book. They wouldn't say nonsense like graces anymore. They would say grace, not payment that you receive for being good. You were a rebel. You were a horrific, a horrific sinner. And God reached out to you with salvation. So it's here. I love you. What? That's called grace. It's not, you didn't earn it. If you earned it, it would be called pay. It took me a while to get this concept, but once you've got it, get rid of any notion of blasphemous payment. God will not accept your ridiculous attempt at buying or paying for Heaven, it's all by the blood of Jesus or it's by no other means. We've received from Jesus grace and apostleship. That's why I said, it's not Paul that's called to be an apostle. It's, you know, Bob the apostle, right? Allie the apostle, Isaac the apostle. I go right around the room, right? It's not a title, it's your calling. It's what you're supposed to do, represent your the only Jesus, that's, you're the only Bible that some people will ever read. And how we represent. Am I putting pressure on you? Hey, hey, it's not my idea. It's what God said. We've received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. To the faith among all nations. His gospel is so glorious it has to go to all nations for his name. Or if I could put it this way, for his name's sake. Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. God call you? Yeah. So at the end of the day, we're all Calvinists. Well, in the sense that he called you. But did he call everybody? I Listen, I don't know how it works. I mean, I really, really don't. I like the fact that he chose me. I like that. Not everyone does, not everyone will. Uh, um, I've gone through this before. 
you know, it doesn't bother me that he was part of the salvation plan. He's not willing that any should perish. I do know that. I do know that, right? Does, is this call an irresistible? Could I say no to it? Seems, seems like I could. Seems so. Seems Jesus holds like Pharisees and those accountable for not buying in, for not believing. And he gives people a really a real heartburn about their lack of faith. I think he called me, but I think I answered the phone. I think I received the call. I think I picked up on my end. He didn't save me to death. Like I didn't have any, in my way of understanding it. But y'all called, and that's fine. And think of the verse, many are called, few are chosen, if you want to factor that in there. To all that be in Rome, okay, he's writing to the church at Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. And again, that to be <clears throat> italics, just called saints. Ken says three types of people. There's the saints and the ain'ts, and those that think they're saints, but they're not. Um, so again, growing up in Catholicism, saints were somebody who did exceedingly great godly things and then you know a couple a whole team of guys in pointy hats get together with clipboards and look at their life and vote on this sainthood that's be x amount of miracles and one of them they have to perform after they die cute trick if you got that and then you know they vote on you and if you're a saint and on it goes bible knows nothing of that you're called a saint you're in or you're out or you think you're in but you're really out uh, those who is, those who ain't, and those who thinks they is, but they ain't. That's how Ken puts it. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. Because that's what there is. But it really devolves down to those who are in, those who are out. You're in, you've trusted Christ for your salvation, you're a saint. You can make a business card and pass it out if you want, you know. Uh, I always say if you're going for a job interview and your name's Bernard, you have to put that on your, your resume, right? St. Bernard. I just, uh, so anyway, but that's just some foolishness. And, and if you don't call me St. Adam, I, I'd rather you didn't. I mean, I'd really rather you didn't. You know what I mean? Uh, um, uh, Adam's good. My friends call me Adam. Uh, sometimes people call me pastor. I like that. It underscores our relationship that we have. I think that's fine. Like I say, my friends call me Adam, and that's fine. Um, we don't really like titles so much around here. You know what I mean? It's just not a... We don't stand on formality that way. I don't really care for that um, but yeah we don't call each other saint but we could okay grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ there it is grace and peace I'm always fond of saying you're not going to have peace with God till you've understood the grace of God many people are trying and striving to have peace with God it's, it's a fool's errand get grace and peace follows naturally all the time you know what, back in verse 7, call to be saints, this is what a lot of things are. It's like this. People think like there's people out there who live gloriously holy lives. And I could be one of them if I applied myself. No. Not so ridiculous thought. Well, I had this grandmother, and she was so godly, and she was so good. Praise God. And she went to heaven because she trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior. Or... She didn't go to heaven. If she didn't, I'm not 
changing the rules. Listen, my late greats have died too. Uh, I had two sets of grandparents. And as far as I know, none of them ever trusted Jesus Christ. They trusted religion and they trusted a church. Church won't save you. Religion is anathema. I think Jesus Christ is the most unreligious person ever. He still curses fig trees. Story for another time. Uh, I don't think that that's the way to get to heaven. And now that it's come close to home, I don't change the rules, you know. Uh, my, my dad died. My mom just died in June. I had a sister who died. So what am I, consigning them to the deepest, darkest? I don't, I don't do that. It's way above my pay grade. I don't consign anybody anywhere. I'm telling you, this book says you trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation, and you have eternal life with God. You don't trust him. You don't have eternal life with God. I don't know how else. And we'll see that verse after verse after verse. That's what the whole book is about. I give it to you in a nutshell. You can skip the next 80 Sundays, whatever. I, I, you got the whole thing. But there's a little bit more, okay? And we'll, we do well to know the little bit more. To all those being in Rome, beloved of God, please understand that. I haven't been very good lately. It has nothing to do with God's love. Later on in this book, we'll find out God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What an amazing day when I first understood that. He, you're loved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. So this is a famous church with famous faith. Yay, would to God that we had that. You do have this. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. That I get to be a pastor is no small thing to me. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. And I want your faith to be spoken throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Do I do that? Yes. Does that surprise you? Now, do I do it as much as I should? Well, that's another question. I don't know how many people say, I pray morning, noon, and night, every chance I get. I'm really satisfied with my prayer life. I think it's awesome. Anyone? You couldn't raise your hand. It's okay. If you say that, I'm not going to denounce you from the pulpit. I mean, I really, it's okay to be okay with God. Most of us, our prayer life is catch as catch can. It's maybe getting better. It needs some work. Can I say that about you? I can say it about me for sure. But I, pray, I make mention of you always in, in my prayers. Uh, me and Sue's pray and we go right around the room and pray by name and by... That doesn't surprise you, does it? I mean, you'd, think, you'd hope that was true, right? Making requests. If by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. <laughs> I, you know, be careful what you pray for. I hate that saying, by the way. I hate that, because it makes God like, you pray for it and God's going to trick you with his answer. But Paul's saying, if by any means, well, any means is in a ship bound for Rome as a prisoner, and we read about that in the late, late, later chapters of the book of Acts. He does make it to Rome, and he's in chains when he gets there. Okay, he appeals to Caesar, and he does make it to Rome, if by any means. It's just kind of funny to me. 
Uh, but I hate that idea, like, you pray, and you better be careful what you pray for. God's waiting for you to say, aha, now I got you, and he just lowers the boom on your prayer, gives you what you want. And um, like the, the Greeks had a saying, be careful what you pray for. You know, the gods uh, mess with you by answering your prayers. That's not our God. That's not our God, okay? Um, God brought him to Rome, and guess what? Rome picked up the tab. <laughs> he was a prisoner. He, he didn't have to pay his own way. I think it's kind of cool. Uh, and it, everything worked out just the way God wanted it to. Which brings us to another thing. So things don't go the way we plan. I think we can be sure that they're going the way God planned. I think we just do that on faith. I think nothing's escaping God's notice or... Let's keep moving. For I long to see you, that, may, uh, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to them that you may be established. Well, Paul's pretty arrogant there, isn't he? Not at all. He's just looking at history. Every time I show up and I go to a place, God shows up and blesses people. And I, th- I, I, I think he would say that it's all God, not him. Um, I have faith in this word, not in my ability to impart it to you, but the the, 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 the magic, the, the, the supernatural aspect is in the seed. It's in the word. It's not me. And I get that. So you stick around. You get the word of God in your life. That is the blessing. It's got nothing to do with me. And I think, you know, he's saying the same thing I'm thinking. I want to impart some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith bond of you and me. What's the mutual faith bond? We both believe in Jesus Christ. That's, that's always what it is. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oft times I purposed to come unto you, but was let, hitherto, let, uh, hindered. Okay? I, 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 several times I wanted to come, but it hasn't materialized so far. What is it? Is it God? You remember when he's praying, he wants to go, and God says, nope, you ain't going there. And the Spirit says, nope, not there. And the Spirit says, uh, nope, not there. And then he has a prayer of the Macedonian man saying, come help us. And so then uh, he says, okay, here we go. And that's, by the way, that was Europe, Macedonia, modern-day Turkey, the eastern half. And that was the first uh, missionary journey into what's now Europe. Aren't you glad? Because most of us, look around the room, most of us have European descent. And God says, no, it's time for you to go to Europe. So he was letting, hindering, you know, hindering him going this place because he wanted him to go this place. And there's only one Apostle Paul. And don't worry, they'll get the gospel. Everyone does at the end. The gospel uh, must be given to all the nations, Jesus says, before the Son of Man comes back. Everyone gets it, don't worry. Um, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but so far it hasn't worked out. What did it look like that it didn't work out? He didn't have the funds. He had to put out a fire over here. He got shipwrecked here. He got, wh- whatever means, whatever happened, he doesn't go into detail. I think I live in that. You know, I want to do this, I want to do this. Well, sometimes it's just me procrastinating. Sometimes it's, it hasn't materialized. Uh, well, how come this and how come this? I, talk to him. I, I, 
I would. I would. And I'm not trying to blame. We don't blame God. That's, that's kind of silly too, right? It's God's fault. No, but he's superintending and he cho- chooses what he chooses. And if something hasn't materialized in your life, add the word yet to the end of that statement. My calling, I, when I first heard the voice of God in my life saying that he wanted me to be a pastor, I think I was 21 years old, or maybe 20. 21, I think. And then I got into the ministry at 45. <laughs> and many times along the way I said, ah, I think I heard wrong. I think, no? And every time it would kind of ebb and it would kind of die and kind of, he'd say, no, 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 no. I still got my hand in your life. You're still, I don't know if that's a benefit to somebody. You say, I got to wait for 24 years for something to happen. No, sometimes. It's all good. I'm not accusing God. I'm not saying he wasted my time. In the interim, I did life. Brought up children, was a good husband, worked, saved money, lived life, had ministry, loved God. I don't know. No complaint. Where am I? Where am I? Oh, I wanted to come, but I haven't been let... That I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Uh, that's how it rolls out with Paul. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. A debtor, yeah, I'm an ambassador and I have a debt to pay. What debt to pay? Well, Jesus saved me. And he says, okay, this is what you got to do. Uh, you, he, he, he did, he's not paying for his salvation. That's, again, that's just, that's heresy. But I'm still indebted. I still have... I still have work to do. I still have a debt to pay. I still have a, I don't know how else to put it. I don't, my vocabulary runs out on me there. I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Say, if I call, was called a barbarian, I don't think that would bless me. Uh, here it means non-Greek speaker, and it's not a pejorative term. It's when you hear somebody, uh, people in the Orient, when they talk, it, it sounds to me like porpoise squeaks. And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. I just, you're discerning information from what you're saying. Now, I hear someone like, uh, at work, there's a lot of Spanish speakers. And I hear them talk Spanish all day. And I almost can hear a word or two. You know, because we have, you know, uh, I think we're both like Latin-based or Germanic or something. I don't know, but there's enough. Or just over the course of the years, you pick up some. I don't, I don't know. But it sounds like a, a language. When I hear some people speak, it sounds like, again, just like, it sounds like they're speaking in tongues or, or again, some non-intelligible. How, how do you get something from that? Well, here, barbarians means non-Greek speakers. When you're speaking, it sounds like bar, 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 bar. That's how the word barbarian came in vogue. That's how it became used. It's not, a, it's not a term. He's not putting people down for being barbarians, okay? And both, he's a debtor to both, anyway. Greeks and non-Greeks, put it that way. Both to the wise and the unwise. We don't want to put ourselves in that second category. But I have seen people who are very, very intellectual follow the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I have seen people who are very simple, uncluttered, who love Jesus Christ. I have found it's got nothing to do with intellect whatsoever. I'm not looking at anybody in particular. Hey, wait a second. Well, you looked at me when you said unwise. Uh, no, I'm not looking at anybody, and I don't make those judgments anyway. 
Um, it, 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 listen, our six-year-olds can understand it. But if you're wise and wise in your own eyes, well, that's not a good place to be. That's not, a, that's not helpful for the gospel. It's just not. Uh, there's, a, there's a humility. And those who have hubris and self-import and worship themselves as God, there's really no room for any other God. I'm a debtor both to the Greeks, to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Um, many of us are ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know how else to say it. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, we, have to ch- we have to tinkle with it. We have to change it. Uh, I, I guess I wouldn't be saying that to most everyone here, that, as far as I know. But I see the church at large. It, it's, yeah, we, that's an old message. We, it's changed with the times. That doesn't work around here. It doesn't work. Postmodern doesn't work anymore. <sighs> The uh, emergent church, I wish they'd submerge. They got nothing. And that whole thing is like, you know, Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha. We establish dialogue, and we've got a lot to learn from people, and we're not trying to turn them into Christians because that would be a slam, a slap at that. Their faith expression isn't all it should be. They can find, you can find God through any religious whatever. Universalism is all it is. They are ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've heard people, so, so, so some Jewish carpenter 2,000 years ago died. That has an effect on my eternity, huh? It's kind of a tough sell, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, isn't it? Uh, the answer is yes. <laughs> yes. That's exa- you got it exactly. That's correct. I'm not modifying. I'm not changing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why aren't you ashamed of the gospel? Adam, listen, that's kind of a silly statement, isn't it? Some guy who claimed to be God 2,000 years ago died, and that has a bearing on your eternity. Are you kidding me right now? No. No, I'm not. I, yeah, I think that's exactly that. I, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why aren't you? Um... Well, well, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the, justice, the just shall live by faith. Look, I like this gospel because, ready? It's the only one that works. There should have been an amen there. You want me to tee it up again? Listen, it's the only one that works. All the others have this in common. I have to do something to secure my eternity. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is unique. It's different. It's, di- it's different from all others. There's nothing you can do. There's, there's, there's no, you're a pretender if you even try. I love this gospel. It will kick you right in your arrogant arrogance. There's nothing you can do. Oh, I came headlong into that, and it humbled me. It's a humbling gospel. There's nothing that I can do. Nothing. 
It's the only one that works. It's the only one where God is satisfied. It's the only one that will actually take you from damnation and make you a son or a daughter of God. It's the only one that makes you the bride of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the one that makes me righteous. It, look at, you know, uh, the proof of the pudding is in the eating thereof. I was a scoundrel. I was amazingly arrogant and wrong and bad and evil and twisted and religious all the while. And then I was touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now look at me. I'm perfect now. Is that my point? No. My point is he rescued me. He saved me. Praise his holy name. I live to serve him now. I was living to serve me. I was an ambassador of me. It's the only gospel that works. You can't be ashamed of it. Once you're ashamed of it, nobody gets saved around you anymore. Well, let me tell you about my friend here. He's uh, crucified and I don't know, whatever. Nobody's getting saved today if you're ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't be ashamed. Don't. Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed. I think some of the Romans say, yeah, he don't dare show his face around here. This is like, we are all, you know, pretty slack. We're, you know, and, and yeah, he's kind of like, you know, he, he, he's all urban. He won't do good with us. Well, Paul would do good with anybody. I mean, he's all things to all men. And intellectually, he's there. He's, he's fine. But he's thinking like, this is it, the gospel, the only one that works, the one that God blesses, the one that God saves you through. I'm not ashamed of it. It's the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Faith to faith is a kind of a tough, people debate over this. Can I tell you what I think it is? You get saved through faith in the gospel. Nobody's arguing that. And what are you saying from faith to faith? Is it God's faith to our faith? I don't think that God has faith in the sense of like, things just are with him. I don't think he's like, someone says to Jesus, Lord, you know I believe, help my unbelief. And God doesn't struggle with faith in that sense of like, to us it's kind of a, we're walking by faith, not by sight. With God it's sight, right? He sees, he knows. He's not, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is it that God doesn't see? He doesn't have faith like that. I don't think it's like from God's faith to our faith, which I like, I like to think it is, but I don't think it is. I think it's this. Faith, that's how you get in the door. And then what? Faith to faith, to faith, to faith, to faith. You don't outgrow faith. As a matter of fact, you grow in faith. It's all faith. It's all faith. Paul writes to Galatians and says, you get him by faith. Who's bewitched you? Now, are you going to be made perfect in the flesh? And the idea is that, that would be ridiculous. That's why I think it means from faith to faith. Listen, this is how we get in the door. I believe. I do? No. I behave? No. I believe. What could be humbling, more humbling than that? that? Nothing you can do. Stop even trying. Nothing you can do. This is how you get saved. God, I'm such a sinner. Save me. Willie, only every time. Only every time. Now you come, Pharisee way. Ah, Lord, thank you that I'm not like other men. Like this 
miserable sinner over here. Well, I tithe of everything I own. I fast twice a week. Are you ready to throw up in your mouth just about now? One or the other, we come by faith in God or we don't come at all. Let's pray. Stand. Um, Our worship team will come. Um, So we get it, Lord. We're saved by faith. I love this gospel. I'm not ashamed of it either. I don't think any of us are. It's had its effect on us. We were sinners and we were going to hell and now we're your children and we're going to heaven. I, no complaints here. Thank you, Lord. As we remembered Christ in communion earlier, thank you for this great, awesome price you paid to save us. Lord, bless the food now. Bless our fellowship. Be blessed in our worship. Lord, just when all the dust settles today, we want to look back and say our God was glorified. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.